What is going on, sports fans, and welcome into Season 4, Episode 5 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast presented by Anchor. We've got a lot to get to today. The NFL Draft, the first three rounds, took place on Thursday and Friday. We will recap, give you some winners and losers, grade each team, and all that good stuff. We will also have live draft updates during recording today if there happen to be any big draft picks, including what the Cleveland Browns do and much, much more. We also got the NBA playoffs. The first round series have come and gone. We are on to the conference semifinals. A lot of good matchups to dive into. I will give you my series predictions and analysis coming up. We also got some MLB talk. The season's about 20 games in. There are some teams that are standing out as maybe true contenders this season, some teams that are struggling, and some teams we don't know about yet. So we'll get to all that and more. But first, this episode, as always, is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, creation tools, editing tools, everything you need to make your very own podcast right from your phone or computer. So if you want to make your very own podcast, you got to go online to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app today. Anchor is one of the reasons why I'm able to do this podcast weekly. So go ahead and support Anchor if you want to do your very own podcast. Today is Saturday, April 30th. Let's go. Episode 5 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. And I know it's baseball season. I'm a big baseball guy. But the big headlines in in sports the last couple of days has been the NFL draft. Because the NFL is king. So let's start with day one of the NFL draft. The first round that took place on Thursday night from Las Vegas. And we are going to go round one. We're going to go through nearly every pick. Give you which teams I thought stood out. Which picks were good. And then we are going to go to day two and do the same thing. So let's start with day one. We're going to go team by team, alphabetical order. I'm going to give them a grade on their first round picks. So we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals made some moves on Thursday night. They acquired Marquise Brown from the Ravens. The Ravens' top receiver is now going to Arizona to reunite with his one of his college quarterbacks in Kyler Murray. So the, the Cardinals didn't make a first-round pick. Instead, they traded the number 23 overall pick to the Ravens for Marquise Brown. I think it's a good trade. Uh, Kyler Murray, like I said, is familiar with Marquise Brown from when they played together at Oklahoma. They get a deep threat receiver. 
that can complement DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore. So it's a good addition for the Cardinals. I'll give them a B plus for that move. Then we got the Falcons. The Falcons had the eighth pick, and they took the first receiver off the board. A lot of people thought that would be Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. It turned out it was Drake London from USC. I'm going to give the Falcons a B- for this pick. London is great. He's been, he was outstanding at USC. He's very tall. He's 6'4". He's got that ideal wide receiver build. Uh, his height and strong hands his, may give him a large catch radius. And pairing him with Kyle Pitts will be good for this Falcons offense. He's not the fastest receiver, but I think he maybe has the most upside out of the four or five or six receivers that were picked in the top first round. So I like the pick for the Falcons. I think they had more glaring needs than receiver, though. But we'll give them a B-. minus. It's a good pick for them. It helps replace Calvin Ridley, who will be out this season due to his suspension. So I like the pick. Then we got the Ravens, who, although they traded away Marquise Brown, their number one receiver, they made two first-round selections that... I thought were slam dunks. As a Brown, and as a Browns fan, that pains me to say. I'll give the Ravens an A minus for their first round. They got Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, who I thought should have been a top ten pick, and then they got Iowa center Tyler Lindenbaum. So let's start with Hamilton. Hamilton has gr- showed great instincts and intelligence at Notre Dame. I got to watch him for a couple games. The dude was the best player on the field in a lot of games he played in. He's got the ideal height and length that'll make him not only a solid safety in terms of coverage, but also in terms of tackling ball carriers in the open field. He'll be a longtime playmaker in Baltimore. They also selected a new center. He's not, uh, Lindenbaum's not a big center, but he's got strong hands, quick feet, and intelligence. It'll be a good pick. So two good picks for the Ravens. They did lose their number one receiver, but I still think the Ravens made two really good selections that will help their team. The Buffalo Bills. I'll give them a B, just a straight out B. They took uh, Florida cornerback Kalir Elam. Uh, it was the Bills' biggest need, so they checked off their biggest need after they lost Levi Wallace. So Elam is good. He he embraces every challenge in the secondary He's got a sub 4-4, 40-yard dash time. So that's going to be good for the Bills. Obviously, in the division, in the the AFC East, and in the AFC Conference, there's a lot of good receivers. But especially in the AFC East now with the Dolphins trading for Tyreek Hill, you're going to have to have a speed corner who can keep up with him. And that's what the Bills did by bringing in Khalil Alam. Carolina Panthers, they picked sixth overall. I'm going to give them an A. I like their pick. They picked six overall. They took Iki Aquanu from North Carolina State, an offensive tackle. He's a very good offensive lineman in the run game, uh, both in the box and downfield. He's got the agility and anchor to hold down and hold off NFL edge rushers. So they got a big, they filled a major need on their offensive line. He'll he will help whichever quarterback ends up playing in Carolina. And can lead the way for the running game led by Christian McCaffrey. I give the Panthers an A for this pick. For the Bears, they didn't make a first-round pick. But I'll give them kind of a B, I guess. 
They didn't have the first round pick because they moved up last year to take Justin Fields. The deal made sense, even though the team's lack of success last season resulted in the Giants getting a top 10 pick. But I still think Justin Fields has a good chance to be a really good quarterback in the NFL if their GM can surround him with better talent. So I'll still give the Bears a solid B. The Bengals, they made one pick at number 31 overall. I'll give them an A for their pick. They got Michigan defensive back Daxton Hall. Daxton Hill, excuse me. Hill can play anywhere in the secondary. Uh, If Jesse Bates, who is playing under a franchise tag, leaves as a free agent, Daxton Hill could slide right in to fill the void at safety. So I think it's a it's a good pick for the Bengals. I don't think defensive back was their biggest need necessarily, but in terms of value at 31, it was a good pick. The Browns did not pick in the first round. I'm going to give them a B plus. They, they traded it for a franchise quarterback in, in Deshaun Watson. I mean, the Browns... They've needed a franchise quarterback since 1999, and they got one. I know he's got all the off-the-field stuff, but at the end of the day, if you have a chance to trade a first-round pick for a franchise quarterback, you do it. That's what the Browns did. I'll give them a B. I think I said a B-plus or B-minus. Either one. Dallas Cowboys, they made a pick. I'm going to give them a C. This is my worst grade so far of the first round. They took Tulsa offensive tackle Tyler Smith. Very good athleticism, but he's an extremely raw talent player. 324 pounds, great size. His power was almost overwhelming against almost all the college competition he faced. So the Cowboys decided to take a shot on the upside. C. Broncos, B+. Just like the Browns, traded their first-round pick for a franchise quarterback with Russell Wilson. Not much to it. They had a chance to get a franchise quarterback. They did. I'll give them a B+. The Detroit Lions. I like the Lions. They got. I'll give them an A minus. They made two selections in the first round. They traded up for their second, but at number two they took the hometown kid from Michigan, edge rusher Aiden Hutchinson. He's got strength against the run, relentless pursuit of quarterbacks. He's got great football intelligence. Can bust up many plays. Great pick for them. Then the Lions traded from thirty-two to twelve, and they packaged that. Their pick in a deal with the Vikings, they landed their top. They landed what they viewed as the top receiver in the draft with Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams has got elite speed, reliable hands, stop start ability, toughness. I love the picks in terms of talent. I hope the injury is not a long term issue, but he'll need to become an elite playmaker to justify them picking him at twelve. I still like the pick. I think Hutchinson and Williams can be elite players for Detroit. I'll give them an A-. minus. The Packers, I'm actually going to give them an A, even though they didn't take a receiver, partially because of what they did in the second round. They took Georgia linebacker Quay Walker at number 22 overall and Georgia defensive tackle Deontay Wyatt at number 28 overall. Walker is very versatile. Uh, He'll be more than just a guy who makes plays against the run. I really like their pick. They really needed to bolster the defensive front. So they chose another Georgia Bulldog in Wyatt. He can play every spot along the defensive line, attacking tackles with his five-star technique. So I like the Packers picks. I'll give them an A. The Texans, I'm going to give them a B plus. I liked what they did. 
Number three overall, they took LSU corner Derek Stingley Jr. And 15 overall, they took Texas A&M lineman Kenyon Green. Stingley's tape is eye-popping. Uh, he shows excellent ball skills as well as the speed and agility to handle any receiver on the outside. He had some flashy plays at time over the last two seasons, showing some of the same skills, but also missing time due to injury. If he can be a star, the pick pays off. For the second pick with Kenyon Green, they selected a powerful offensive lineman. He's been a dominant guard or solid right tackle, but it'll be interesting to see if the other two linemen who are available at 15 have better careers than him. But I still like the Texans' two picks there. The Colts, I'm going to give them a D. Um, it's because they traded this first-round pick to Philadelphia for Carson Wentz, who obviously isn't with the team anymore. Jaguars, they picked first overall and 27th overall. I give them a B-. minus. They took Georgia edge rusher Trayvon Walker, number one overall. His athleticism scores were great. 4-5-140, 6.893 cone drill, 35.5-inch vertical. He was never the guy in Georgia's star-studded defense, but he didn't need to be. He's a very good pass rusher, very good run defender, but he got picked number one, so he's going to have to outperform the other edge rushers in this class to be viewed as a success. Their second pick, Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd. Uh, he's not a supremely athletic linebacker, but he displayed promising pass rush ability as well as the willingness to plug gaps against the run. So that those are two good defensive picks for the Jaguars. The Chiefs had two first-round picks. I'm going to give them an A. They took Washington cornerback Trent McDuffie and Purdue edge rusher George Karlafidis. They traded up eight spots to select McDuffie. He's a versatile, tough, and intelligent defender on the outside and the inside, which is something the Chiefs needed. George Karlofidis, the other guy, the Purdue edge rusher they took, he's a powerful rusher, uses hands as well as any edge rush prospect that has been evaluated in recent years. He's not an elite bender on the edge, but he uses leverage and momentum to win his battles with offensive linemen. I like the Chiefs' two picks here. I'm going to give them an A. Slowly but surely, we're getting to the end of round one. Las Vegas Raiders, they didn't pick, but I give them an A. They got the best receiver in the game for these first-round picks in Devontae Adams. Chargers, they took Boston College offensive lineman Zion Johnson at number 17. I'll give them a B plus. Johnson is a very good fit for the Chargers because he can pl play right guard for them right away and start at right guard. He's smart, hardworking, experience, does not give any ground to any defensive lineman. He has Pro Bowl potential. So I like this pick by the Chargers. The Rams, they didn't pick any, but they traded it last season for Matt Stafford. I'm going to give them an A because they won a Super Bowl. Dolphins, give them a B. They didn't draft anybody. They traded their pick for Tyreek Hill, who's a slam dunk number one receiver in the NFL. I'll give them a B. The Vikings, I'm going to give them an A for their pick. Georgia safety, Lewis Klein, number 32 overall. His size and athleticism allow him to stay with receivers and tight ends on crossing routes and downfield. He'll serve as a good nickel defender for the Vikings. I like the pick. I give them an A. Patriots, I'm going to give them a C. I'm giving them a C. 
This was a strange pick. It was a jaw-dropping pick when the Patriots took UT Chattanooga offensive guard Cole Strange at number 29 overall. The Patriots traded down, but they picked Strange, who's a versatile player with a high floor who could play for a long time. But he was picked at least 40 to 50 picks ahead of a lot where a lot of people expected him to go. The Rams were hosting like a live stream for their draft party. And Rams head coach Sean McVay joked to, I think it was their GM or their president of football ops or something like that. And he said, I was expecting Strange to be there when we were picking at 104. So it was just really weird to see the Patriots take him the first round. The Saints... I'll give them a B minus. A lot of people don't like what they did, but I like what they did. Uh, they gave up number 16 overall, a third and a fourth round pick to grab the 11th pick, and they selected Chris Olave. Olave is supremely talented. He's as smooth as any receiver that's been evaluated in a long time. He can make plays on the sideline. He can win off the line with his suddenness and his speed rather than physicality. I think the Saints have something there. They also took at number 19 offensive tackle from Northern Iowa, Trevor Penning. It makes sense. He's got some work to do in terms of consistency, but his athleticism make it worth the time. I don't know if they giving up two mid-round picks to move up five spots for Olave was a great move, but I think they got a receiver that would pair well in that offense, especially if Michael Thomas can come back. The Giants, they get an A. They were the second best team in the first round in terms of drafting, in my opinion. They took Oregon edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau, who I thought, in terms of talent, should have been the number one pick. They took him at number five. Number seven, they took Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal. Two slam dunk picks for the New York football giants. Thibodeau is just really, really good. He was the third edge rusher drafted. Uh, His power allowed him to control opposing linemen in Oregon. He played through injury last season, but was still very solid. Versatile defender, and he'll be able to slide in and make an immediate impact on the Giants' defense. As for Evan Neal, he can play any spot on the offensive line. He started at both tackle spots and guards. Uh, His build makes him a tough guy to bull rush off the edge. He has the athleticism and movement skills to stay with quick edge rushers in the NFL. In my opinion, it's two out-of-the-park home run picks for the New York Giants. But that brings me to my biggest winner of the first round. A-plus. I don't give out a lot of A-pluses. But now I'm giving an A-plus to the New York Jets, who picked three times in the first round. Their first selection was Cincinnati corner Ahmed Sauce Gardner at fourth overall. Then they had the 10th pick. They took Ohio State receiver Garrett Wilson. And then they had the 26th pick. And they took Florida State edge rusher Jermaine Johnson. Let's start with Sauce Gardner. Uh, Gardner is... Uh, he's just a very talented player. He only fell short of winning the Jim Thorpe Award because quarterbacks weren't thrown at him. His height and utter tenacity... Gives him a shot to be a Stephon Gilmore-type defender immediately in year one. For Garrett Wilson, I love Garrett Wilson. I thought he was the best receiver in this draft. I would give 
Uh, he's a versatile player who can catch passes away from his frame. His outstanding leaping ability, his outstanding route running. He can handle responsibilities inside and out. I love the pick. And I love their third pick as well. Jermaine Johnson, a versatile and strong edge, edge rusher, something the Jets really needed. He led FSU in sacks last year. And he, many, some mocks had him going top five. And the Jets got him at 26. Great value. Jets hit it out of the park in the first round. I give them an A+. They're my biggest winners. The second biggest winners I'm going with are the Philadelphia Eagles. I give them an A-plus as well. They had one selection in the first round. They took Georgia defensive tackle Jordan Davis. But they also made a big trade that we're going to talk about as well. So Davis was very good for Georgia. But they need they picked him because they needed to improve on the run defense. His ability to eat up double teams will make Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams even better up front. His athleticism with his frame, Jordan Davis, is outstanding too. He can shoot a gap, make his way into the backfield. If he stays in shape, which I think he will, he will be more than a one-trick pony and can affect passing lanes with just his pure, unteachable 6'7 frame. It's a great pick, but the reason I give the Eagles an A-plus is because they backed it up. They took form, former Titans receiver, A.J. Brown. They traded for him, a second-round pick for him, and they extended Brown to a four-year, $100 million extension. A.J. Brown's a slam-dunk number one receiver in the draft. He's better than uh, – sorry, slam-dunk number one receiver in the NFL. He's better than any receiver in the draft, and the Eagles got him locked up for the next four years now. Love it. Eagles are flying. I give them an A+. Now it's time for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are gone to the Super Bowl. I'm giving the Steelers a B- for their first-round pick. They took Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pittsburgh, the only quarterback taken in the first round of the NFL draft. They took him 20th overall. Uh, he has pro experience. He could be pro-ready. I think he was the most pro-ready out of the, all these NFL quarterbacks. They signed Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Pickett's got good pocket present. It's athleticism and leadership skills. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. and That's just my honest opinion. He has potential. Don't get me wrong. Mike Tomlin will give him potential. Could Kenny Pickett be the next Joe Burrow? Yes. But I think the Pittsburgh Steelers... Selected the fourth best quarterback in the AFC North for the next five to ten years in the first round. And that they might be in quarterback purgatory. That's why I give them a B-. I'm not saying Pickett doesn't have the potential, but I don't love the pick. The 49ers, I'll give them a C. They moved up to pick Trey Lance last year. So I'm, that's why I'm giving them an average grade right now. Seahawks, C. They took Mississippi State offensive tackle Charlie Cross, number nine overall. I didn't think Cross was the best tackle in this draft. He's physical in the run game. He'll start immediate, immediately, but I just don't love the pick for the, for the Seahawks. That's just my opinion. Buccaneers, I'll give them an A. 
They got a lot of draft value for trading away number 27 overall. They got two a day two pick, a day three pick, and a six rounder. They're, you're not going to lose any value going from 27 to the 33rd pick, which the Buccaneers did. The Titans, who I just mentioned, traded A.J. Brown. I'll still give them an A- because they picked a replacement receiver in Arkansas wide receiver, Traylon Burks, at number 18 overall. They also did get Robert Woods in March, so they have some, some depth by picking Burks. He's very comparable to Brown in measurables, which could be another reason why they traded away Antonio Brown. He's a physical downfield threat. He's got good after-the-catch ability. So I like I liked the pick by the Titans. And that brings us to the last team in the first round, the Washington Commanders. They take Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson, 16th overall. I'm going to give them a B. They got some draft capital by trading with the uh, New Orleans Saints. And they got Dotson to fill a much-needed receiver need to complement Terry McLaurin. Dotson's not a big physical receiver, but his hands are very good. He really performed well for Penn State. I'm still interested to see if he becomes an elite receiver, but I think the commanders needed a receiver and they got one. All right, when we come back from break, we're going to recap day two of the draft. And then we are also going to preview the NBA second round of the playoffs and also give some MLB storylines. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a word for our sponsors at Anchor. Welcome back to Season 4, Episode 5 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. Day 2 NFL Draft Recap. Let's get it. Starting with the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to give them an A for their Day 2 picks. They took Colorado State defensive end Trey McBride, number 55 overall. San Diego State defensive end Cameron Thomas, number 87 overall. And Cincinnati edge rusher Myjay Sanders, 100th overall. Three great players who I think can contribute immediately as a work as a rookie. McBride is going to be a good learning from tight end Zach Ertz and Max Williams. Can possibly start some three tight end packages for Arizona. Uh, they got their edge rusher in Cameron Thomas, who's a relentless defender. They also got Sanders, who can use his length as an outside rusher. So I'm going to go the Cardinals. I'm going to give them an A. Falcons, I'm going to give them an A. Uh, they got Penn State edge rusher Arnold. Oh God, a BK. <laughs> I apologize for screwing his name up if he's listening. <laughs> Arnold, be a Kite maybe number thirty eight overall uh, from Penn State. They got Montana State linebacker Troy Anderson number fifty eight overall, and they got Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter seventy fourth overall, and they picked eighty second overall as well. Got Western Kentucky. Edge rusher D'Angelo Malone. So I give them an A. Uh, Abia Kite is a much-needed pass rusher for this Falcons team. They got Anderson, who's a linebacker. He could be an excellent player. His physical inst- if his physicality can come along, he's got his instincts are there. He just needs his physicality to follow. Desmond Ritter, great selection in the third round, can develop and play behind Mariota. He's an, he's got intelligence athleticism and solid arm strength and he can eventually develop into the team starter and then they got D'Angelo Malone who's an edge rusher uh, which is good because it gives him depth at that position so I give them an A. Ravens I'm going to give him an A minus 
Michigan edge rusher David Ajabo at 45, and UConn defensive tackle Travis Jones at 76. Ajabo, who likely would have been a first-round pick if he didn't tear his Achilles at his pro day, so they got value there. He's got great upside. Um, And then they got Travis Jones from UConn, who they picked him in the third round. He's worthy of a third-round pick. Uh, His outstanding combine and Reese's Senior Bowl performance uh, allowed him to be picked at 76th overall. Ravens, A-. Bills, A-. They took Georgia running back James Cook, the brother of Dalvin Cook, in number 63 overall. And then they took Baylor linebacker Terrell Bernard at 89th overall. So we got James Cook, Georgia running back, brother of Dalvin Cook. Great speed and receiving ability as a running back. Reminds me a little bit of Alvin Kamara in terms of just his pure pro comparison, just in terms of receiving ability and speed. That's a player I I would compare him to. So it's a good pick at 63 for the Bills. Uh, And his receiving ability separates him from the other running backs in the Bills roster. Then they took Baylor linebacker Terrell Bernard. Uh, He missed some time at Baylor with injuries, but he's ultra productive and fits a major need for the Bills. A minus. Panthers, I'll give them a B. They traded up in the third round to take Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. So Corral is, I think it's a smart move to bring in Corral as competition for Sam Darnold. The off-field concerns concerns might have contributed to his fall in the draft, but he's a potential future future starter with a quick quick release, and he's got elite athleticism too. So I'm going to give them a B for taking Matt Corral. The Bears made three selections in day two. They took Washington corner Kyler Gordon at 39 overall. Penn State safety Jaquan Briskier at 48 overall. And Tennessee receiver Velas Jones, 71st overall. I'll give the Bears a B plus. Gordon is a feisty corner with quickness. I think it's a bargain at 39th overall. Brisker is going to improve the secondary as well. Um, but they found Jones as a returner slash receiver in the third round. I think they could have used a receiver like Sky Moore or George Pickens, but at the end of the day, they scooped up their guy in the third round. So I'm going to give the Bears a B plus. Bengals, I'm going to give them B. They took Nebraska cornerback Cam Taylor Britt, 60th overall. They took Florida defensive tackle Zachary Carter, 95th overall. It was all right. I mean... I give him a B because it's not too flashy. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt, the Cornhusker, he could play nickel or safety at the next level. He f- uh, and then their defensive tackle Zachary Carter flashing an inside outside player potential at Florida, uh, and he can package with some other players in the Bengals. So I like the two picks, but I think with Perion Winfrey and Haskell Garrett still available at ninety five. It might have been a reach for the Bengals to take Carter there. The Cleveland Browns, I'm going to give them an A with their three picks in day two. They took Mississippi State cornerback Martin Emerson, 68th overall. UAB defensive end Alex Wright at 79th overall. And they took Purdue wide receiver David Bell, 99th overall. 
I love it. Emerson is a big physical corner with great athleticism who can slide right in and play opposite Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, or Greg Newsom when needed to. Alex Wright, the defensive end, 6'5", 271 pound frame. His aggressiveness and potential to develop maybe opposite of Miles Garrett is a slam dunk pick for the Browns. And then they got their receiver. And David Bell, the All-American from Purdue, the Big Ten, Big Ten receiver of the year. He's a productive receiver who doesn't have great speed but has great hands and can catch anything thrown his way, much like former Brown Jarvis Landry. I think the Browns got a bargain with David Bell here. I love the three picks. I give the Browns an A for their day two performance. The Cowboys get a B-plus for their day two performance. They took Ole Miss defensive end Sam Williams, 56 overall. South Alabama receiver Jalen Tolbert, 88th overall. In my opinion, they went with upside in these two picks. They picked them based on value, which is always not a bad strategy in the second and third rounds. I like the picks, but I don't love them, so I'm going to give them a B+. Broncos, A-, minus, like the picks. Oklahoma Edge, Nick Benito at 64th overall. And UCLA tight end, Greg Dolchich, 80th overall. Benito's a good value pick. Speed and power, despite not having elite size. Uh, and Greg Dolchich, the tight end from UCLA, helps replace Noah Fant. Good move by the Broncos. Lions, B+. Kentucky defensive tackle, Josh Pascal, 46th overall. Illinois safety, Kirby Joseph, 97th overall. Pascal has overcome a lot of adversity in his life as a cancer survivor, but he plays with leverage and chaos on the edge and is all about bringing down ball carriers. Kirby Joseph, the safety, also fills a big edge for the Lions. Packers, A minus. I love their pick oh, at 50, 34th overall, taking North Dakota State receiver Christian Watson. He is, he, it's a good pick. They needed a receiver to replace Devontae Adams. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who both either were traded or left in free agency. It was a steep price to pay to get him, trading away the 53rd and 59th overall selections. However, I do think it was a good pick by the Packers. The North Dakota State product has a lot of physical gifts. He's athletic. He's a speedy receiver. I think it's a great pick by the Packers. They also took Sean Ryan, the UCLA offensive tackle, 92nd overall, powerful base, mobility, great value in the third round, A- minus for the Packers. The Texans, I'm going to give them a B-. minus. They took Baylor safety, Jalen Pitray, 37th overall, Alabama receiver John Mechie, 44th overall, and Alabama linebacker Christian Harris, 75th overall. I like the picks, but the Texans haven't addressed their need for pass rushers yet. They'll have to do that today. Still like the picks, though. I'll give him a B minus. Colts, A minus. They took Cincinnati receiver Alec Pierce, 53rd overall, 
Virginia tight end Jelani Woods, 73rd overall. Central Michigan offensive tackle Bernard Raymond, 77th overall. And Maryland safety Nick Cross, number 96th overall. Pierce is an athletic, deep threat. Uh, Woods, 6'7", 253-pound tight end. He's a red zone threat who can be a good blocker as well. Rainman is a raw, athletic offensive line prospect. And they got Cross, who's an athletic pounder worthy, uh, worthy of the selection. So I love love the picks for the Colts. Uh I think I'm going to I give them an A minus. I think it was a really really good solid four picks for day 2 of the draft. Jaguars. Kentucky center Luke Fortner, number 76 65 overall, and then Wyoming linebacker Chad Muma, number 70 overall. I actually got to see uh Chad Muma play when I covered uh the Boise Idaho Potato Bowl. That Kent State played Wyoming in, and I got to see Chad Muma play. I really like Chad Muma. Great linebacker. He can cover ground. Uh, he reads offenses really well. I like the pick at 70th overall. They also got a center in uh, Luke Fautner, who is very strong. Uh, he's very athletic, shows a lot of agility. He can pivot. I really like what the Jaguars did in round two. And three. I give the Chiefs an A+. They're my next team. They get an A+, for me. Western Michigan receiver Sky Moore, 54th overall. Cincinnati safety Brian Cook, number 62 overall. And Wisconsin linebacker Leo Chennault, 103rd overall. The best pick is Sky Moore. Really great value for Sky Moore. He's going to be great in the NFL, especially in Kansas City's offense. And I think he's going to have a better career than a lot of receivers picked in the second round because of the situation he got thrown into. I got to see Sky Moore play when I covered Kent State football this past season. The dude's a monster. Great downfield running ability, great route running ability, and is not afraid to go up and get it. Really like the pick. Then they got Cook, who's a hard-hitting safety, and they got Chanel for great value. Three great picks by the Chiefs, A+. Raiders, A-. Memphis offensive guard Dylan Parham, 90th overall. Bolstered the offensive line, which was their number one need. I like it. Chargers, Baylor safety JT Woods, 79th overall. They, I, I'm going to give them an A. He can work in the slot or safety. Great athleticism, willingness to be physical. Really like the pick. They get, they get an A for me. Rams, A. Wisconsin Wisconsin offensive guard Logan Bruss and 104 overall. Immediate need for offensive line depth when they picked Bruss. Uh, he'll play guard, I think, with strength and effective motion of the snap. Dolphins, B-. Georgia linebacker Channing Tyndall. Tyndall, is, uh, he fills a need at inside linebacker. He's got great athleticism and great speed for the Dolphins. Vikings, A-. They picked three picks. Clemson corner, Andrew Booth, 42nd overall. LSU offensive guard, Egg Ingram, 59th overall. And Oklahoma linebacker, Brian Asamoah, 66th overall. 
Great, great picks for the Lions. Uh, not the Lions, the Vikings, excuse me. The former Clemson quarterback, Booth, probably would have been picked earlier if he did not injure himself and not participate at the pro day. He's an athletic, tough-minded corner, strong value at 42 overall. Uh, Ingram, who's the offensive guard from LSU, brings power off the ball. His, uh, his athleticism uh, is something the Vikings needed. And then Asamoah isn't a big linebacker, but he gets to the ball and brings it as a tackler, something the Vikings need as well. Patriots, C+. Really roasting the Patriots. Don't love what they've done in the draft. Baylor wide receiver Tyquan Thornton, yet another overrated receiver picked by the Patriots. And then Houston corner Marcus Jones, not a really bad pick, but don't love what the Patriots are doing. That's why I give them a C+. Saints get a C for their one pick in the second round of Tennessee corner Alante Taylor. I just think they picked him a little earlier than where I would have expected. I didn't have him inside the top 50. I didn't even think he was going to be a second round pick. I thought he'd fall to the third. Giants, A-. minus. They took three players. Kentucky wide receiver Wendale Robinson, North Carolina offensive guard Joshua Azendu, and LSU corner Cordell Flott. Three needs are filled. Robinson uh, can, is an elite receiver at change of direction and toughness. Azudu, the offensive guard, uh, he can play inside or outside on the line, and his frame is continuing to develop. As for Cordell Flott, uh, he's got a great slot ability as a corner. He's got great agility and toughness. Three good picks by the Giants. Jets, A-. minus. Really like the Jets draft so far. Gave them an A-plus in round one. Give them an A- here in round two. They took Iowa State running back Brees Hall at 36th overall. And they took Ohio State tight end Jeremy Ruckert, 101 overall. Brees Hall is very good. I think he's the best back in the running in the draft. And he's got potential as a Jonathan Taylor type running back that can complement Michael Carter in the Jets' backfield. As for Jeremy Ruckert, he's a solid value pick in the third round. Uh, joins Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzoma. So I like the pick. Eagles, I'm going to give him an A for taking Nebraska center Cam Jurgens at 51 overall and Georgia linebacker Nicobe Dean, 83rd overall. Jurgens is good. It'll be interesting to see if he starts at guard because of longtime starter Jason Kel Kelsey as the center. Um, and then they got great value for N'Kobe Dean. He finds and attacks the ball from wherever he lines up, and he wrangles his targets in every play. I really like the pick of N'Kobe Dean from Georgia for the Eagles. Steelers get an A- from me. For taking Georgia wide receiver George Pickens, 52nd overall, and Texas A&M defensive lineman DeMarvin Leal overall. Pickens has excellent playmaking ability and quickness after the catch. And then Leal is a nice fit at the five, five technique if he can play with the strong base consistency. Two good picks by the Steelers. 49ers get a B for me. They took USC edge rusher Drake Jackson, LSU running back Tyre... Tyreon Davis-Price and SMU receiver Danny Gray. Jackson uh, was a steal, in my opinion. He was one of the more underrated defenders in the draft. His pass rush ability inside and outside, very good. The running back in the third round, uh, his 
They like to speed and willingness, willingness to pound the ball between the tackles. And for their receiver, Gray, uh, he's going to be a downfield threat for this team. So I like it. Seahawks, I'm going to give them a C for taking Boye Mafe. Michigan State running back Kenneth Walker and Washington State offensive tackle Abraham Lucas. Three solid level picks, but I don't think they were good value picks. Buccaneers get an A for Houston defensive end Logan Hall, Central Michigan offensive guard Luke Godeke, and Arizona State running back Rashad White. Hall was a great choice. Uh, he uh, shows some similar traits of William Golston. Uh, Gadecki was a really good late second round pick. And then Rashad White has the straight line speed and receiving ability to make up for the loss of Ronald Jones at running back for this Buccaneers team. Titans, I'm going to give them an A for taking Auburn cornerback Roger McCreary, 35th overall, Ohio State offensive tackle Nicholas petit Freire, 69th overall, and Liberty quarterback Malik Willis, 86th overall. McCreary uh, is going to challenge a young corner group for the Titans. Then they got... Petit Freire, who might not be a starter right away, but he's a good swing tackle. And then they got their quarterback of the future. The strong-armed and strong-running Malik Willis, uh, I think he's going to be an absolute steal. It's a low-cost gamble that can have major payout, and I think the Titans hit it out of the park. That brings us to the last team, the Washington Commanders. I'm going to give them a C-plus for taking Alabama defensive tackle Fedarian Mathis and Alabama running back Brian Robinson. I think they had better options in the third round from where they picked. So that's our day one and day two draft recap. Like I said, we have Twitter open, got tweet notifications on, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. We're going to update you on any big happenings in the NFL draft in round four and round in round four, round five, round six, and round seven. One story to watch before we get to the NBA playoffs. One story to watch is what the Browns are going to do with Baker Mayfield. Last night, it was reported that the Browns and the Panthers were very close to a deal for Mayfield. And then the Panthers traded up to draft Matt Corral that kind of threw away the trade for Mayfield. I still think a team, the four teams that Baker could fit with right now are the Panthers, Seahawks, Buccaneers and Detroit Lions. Now, for what it's worth, the Panthers are going around telling people that they're out of the veteran quarterback market after drafting Matt Corral. But Bill Barnwell, who's a reporter for the NFL, said he's not 100% sure I believe them, which means Carolina is still in the running for maybe taking Baker Mayfield. So that's very, very interesting. So, so. I think Baker's going to either be cut or traded in the next couple weeks. I think Baker is going to be traded sooner rather than later. And before we get to the NBA playoff preview, the Cleveland Browns are now on the clock. So let's let's announce that pick for you guys. We'll I'll talk about who I think it could be, who what positions I think the Browns could be targeting here. But I think the Browns, they're on the clock at pick 108. I think they're, they're, they got some glaring needs they need still. I like their pick of corner. 
I like their picks. Like I said yesterday, they got a receiver. They got a corner. They got they got their um, defensive end in a Jones from UAB. I think that's his name, Jones, right? I just said it earlier. Let me find it. But I, we will announce that pick live for you here on Jack of All Trades and also update you if there's any trades or any good stuff like that. But I think the Browns have vastly improved in the draft. Uh, not Jones, Alex Wright was the guy they took, the defensive end from UAB. But I really like the picks of Martin Emerson, Alex Wright, and David Bell. David Bell especially is a slam dunk. But as for this pick, 108 here for the Browns, on the clock as of one minute ago, I think they could take Winfrey, uh, who I just mentioned. Uh, I just mentioned Winfrey in... Uh, Perion Winfrey, uh, the defensive tackle from Oklahoma, could be a great interior defensive tackle for the Browns, something they've been lacking and they need a lot. So Perion Winfrey is a name to watch here. A lot of people are calling for the Browns to take Perion Winfrey. So we'll see if they do indeed do that. The Texans just pick was just announced. They drafted running back Damian Pierce with the 107th pick. So now it's time for the Browns. I think the Browns should take Perry and Winfrey. That's who I would go with. Perry and Winfrey, defensive tackle from Oklahoma. Got insane upside. Very, very good player at Oklahoma. A lot of potential. Would be great value at 108 in the fourth round. I, I think that's a really good pick. His measurables are very good. 291 pounds. I think he's one of the best available players right now. So I think we're gonna I think Perry and Winfrey is gonna come off the board here for for the Cleveland Browns. But I'll let you know once the pick is announced. And here it is. Officially, sources are telling Jack of all trades the pick is in, and here it is. We are going to announce the pick right now. With the 108th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Perrion Winfrey, defensive tackle, Oklahoma. So like I just told you guys, who do I think the Browns should take? I told you they should take Perrion Winfrey. Andrew Berry and I are on the same wavelength. They took who I thought we should take. Another great pick by Andrew Berry in the Browns front office. They address a much-needed need at 108, very good player, very good value, a steal, I would say, at 108. Great pick for the Browns. So we'll update you on any other Browns draft or just NFL draft stuff in general that happens while we're recording this episode. But we're going to start, we're getting into our NBA playoff preview right now. So the playoffs, the first round is coming gone. Uh, it was interesting. There were no game sevens, no first round upsets at all. But we got an exciting second round ahead of us. We're going series by series, predicting my winners, who I think is going to win. Let's start in out west, number one Suns versus number four Mavericks. They played three times this season. The Suns won the season series 3-0. Um, the Suns got Devin Booker back in game six from injury. Uh, Chris Paul was able to shake off. The rust and put together a star performance in game six. Uh, 
I think if DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges can carry this confidence into the next round, that the Suns will win this series. As for the Mavs, they won two games in round one without Luka Doncic, but it looks like Luka is back to being Luka. Pairing him with Jalen Brown and Spencer Dinwiddie, who are reliable contributors, and then they also got Maxi Kleber and Dorian Finney-Smith, who can deliver timely shots. If Doncic is back at 100%, watch out for the Mavs. Going to be a very, very good series. The storyline to watch is if Doncic and Booker are 100%. At the end of the day, I'm going to go with the team with more depth. And that's the Suns. And I'm going to pick them in seven games. I think Luka is transcendent enough to make this series go seven games. Could even be more, even more Could be even transcendent enough to win this series. But I'm more comfortable saying Suns in seven at this juncture. Heat versus the 76ers. One versus four in the East. Joel Embiid for the Sixers. Jimmy Butler for the Heat. Former teammates. The Heat are the top seed in the East. But the Sixers, I think, have the best player in the series. This head-to-head season series was tied 2-2. Two to two. Uh, The Heat were able to take care of the Hawks in Game 5. Without Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. So it'll be interesting to see if they are uh, 100% healthy. They'll need both of them to be considered a threat in this series. Miami is an elite defensive team. They got some dogs on that team. They got plenty of contributors in the rotation. I picked them to make the finals back in September and on last week's show. So I'm going to be biased here in picking Miami. But there's also another big reason why. Joel Embiid has an orbital fracture and has no timetable for his return. So it's expected he's going to miss multiple games in this series, which is absolutely huge for the Heat. With that being said, they're going to need Tyrese Maxey and James Harden, as well as Tobias Harris, to be consistent and provide consistency, especially with them being on the bench for a couple games. I'm going to take the Heat in six in this series. I think the Heat are the best overall team in the Eastern Conference Depth, defensive-wise, and all that good stuff. So I'm going to take the Heat to move on to the conference finals. Celtics, Bucks, two versus three. I think this is going to be the best series in the second round. Um, that dead series in the regular season was two to two. The Celtics are slight favorites in this series to win this series. The Celtics swept the Nets. Uh... Jason Tatum looks like a superstar. Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart are playing great two-way basketball. The Celtics are a title contender, but so are the Bucs. And in order to beat the best, you got to be the best. The Bucs hope to get Chris Middleton back at some point, but I don't think he'll play early on through this series. The Bucs turned around after losing game two against the Bulls, won three straight games. Giannis looks like the best player in the league, and I think he's going to have to carry his team, which he's fully capable of. If Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis could keep hitting shots like they did against the Bulls, this team will also be hard to beat. But I'm going to take the Celtics in seven games. I think right now, without Middleton, they're the deeper team. The last series in the NBA, we got a preview before we get to the MLB. Number two, Memphis Grizzlies versus number three, Golden State Warriors. 
Let's talk about how they got here. The Grizzlies, they're the second best team in the West, 56 and 26. They finished 20 and 5 without John Morant this season. Uh, Morant got most improved player. Uh, they got Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams, Coach of the Year candidate, Taylor Jenkins. They're a youthful team. They beat the, the Timberwolves in the first round, and their sights set on the Warriors. The Warriors started the season 18 and 2. They got Klay Thompson back, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, the emergence of Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole, along with Jonathan Kaminga and Gary Payton II. It's going to be a great series. I think, in my opinion, I don't know. I think the biggest matchup to watch in this series is Curry versus Morant. If Morant could shut down Curry and vice versa, whichever team can shut down the point guard of the other team, will win this series. And right now, I think the Warriors are going to win this series in six games. And the Warriors are the slight favorites as well. Let's wrap up today's episode with some MLB talk. So the MLB, like I said, we're about 20 games into the season. Let's start with the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Last time I talked to you, the Guardians were struggling a little bit, but they were in first place, coming off a doubleheader win against the White Sox. Since then, the Guardians lost eight games in a row, three to the Yankees, four to the Angels, one, two, no, seven games in a row, right? Yeah, seven games in a row, three games to the Yankees, four games to the Angels. The offense was struggling. The pitching was struggling. It was bad. But last night, they got a much-needed win. Uh, they battled back from down four to one as Andreas Jimenez hit a grand slam to make it five to four, and they battled down from eight to five. Jose Ramirez two run double to make it eight to seven, and then Josh Naylor two two run home run to make it nine to eight as the Guardians would beat the A's. So the Guardians are off to a slow start, but the good news is so is everybody else in the AL Central right now. The Guardians sit at eight and twelve, three games back of the Twins who occupy first place in the Central at this juncture. Offensively, from the Guardians. It's been a struggle at times to watch this team. It seems like they either score like six, seven, eight, nine, ten runs or one run. And more recently, it's been the one run games. Losing by final scores like over this, like some of these final scores over this road trip three to one, four to one, four nothing, three nothing. Like when your starter's only giving up three to four runs, it's not an, and you're losing the game three nothing, it's not an indictment on the starter. Or the pitching staff. It's an indictment on the offense. The lack of run support some of the pitchers in the Guardians team get is outstanding to me. It's crazy. It's crazy. With that being said, the offense is looking better. I think the, the Tito Francona is starting to figure out which lineups work, which don't. Jose Ramirez is going to be the MVP of the league. I don't care what anybody says. I think they should just uh, skip the voting and give Jose the MVP now because... The dude is absolutely a madman. He's so good at baseball, and he signed an extension to be with the Guardians. He leads the league in RBIs with 28 right now. He's hitting 360 with seven home runs and 28 RBIs and 75 at-bats. He's on a torrid pace to start the season. I really like what I'm seeing from Jose. I also really like what I'm seeing from Andreas Jimenez on the Guardians. He's been outstanding as well. He's been very, very good. 
Uh, he's hitting above 340. Last night, he was a triple away from the cycle. He had a grand slam, a double, a single. He's hitting 349 with 10 homers, 10 RBIs. He should be the everyday shortstop for the Guardians. He's been good. Um, Ramirez has been great. Straw has been heating up recently as well. Owen Miller's been mashing the ball. But the one guy, the X factor right now for the Guardians right now, in my opinion, is Franmil Reyes. Franmil Reyes is struggling at the plate. He's hitting 135. He's 0 for his last 25 with 17 strikeouts. They need to get Franmil going because when Franmil's hot, he could carry an offense for a weeks at a time, for series at a time. He just hasn't found his swing for whatever reason this season. But once he do the guard, once he does, the Guardians' offense will be that much more dangerous. As for the Guardians' pitching, I've loved what I've seen out of the bullpen from some guys, especially Trevor Steffen and Sam Hentiges, who've done, in my opinion, a fantastic job out of the bullpen, providing mid to long relief for the Guardians. Starting pitching has been solid. Uh, I would still like Shane Bieber's fastball velocity to increase from the 91 it's sitting at right now to its normal 95, but he's pitched well. I believe he's 1-1 one one or 1-2 one with a 2.82 ERA. Plezak, McKenzie, Quantrill have been pitching solid. But the guy that I worry about in the starting rotation is Aaron Savali. Gave up six runs yesterday, six runs his prior start. His ERA is not great. It seems like they're just hitting everything. He's, he's not throwing bad pitches. They're just right down the middle. You know, it's been tough to watch Savali. Hopefully he can turn it around, but he'll need to because the Guardians need five good starters to compete in this league. Some other storylines in the MLB, the Yankees off to the best record in baseball right now, I believe. They're 14. Let me find it. Yeah, they're 14 and 6. They've won nine of their last 10 games. They're 10 and 3 at home this season. A big reason why they're having so much success is Anthony Rizzo leads the league in home runs. He homered last night. He had a three-homer game at Yankee Stadium this past week. So the Yankees look like the Bronx Bombers early, early so far in this season. Another team that's been very good is the uh, Los Angeles Angels. They're 14-7 and seven as well. Great home and road split, splits. 8-5 and five at home, 6-2 and two on the road. I've really liked what this Angels team has done. Mike Trout's off to a tear. Shohei Otani's pitching well and hitting decently. He'll get going. You know he will. Taylor Ward is hitting the cover off the ball. This Angels team could be dangerous if they keep winning down the stretch. In the National League, you know, it's the usual suspects doing well. The Brewers lead the NL Central. Dodgers lead the NL West. The team I want to talk about today is the New York Mets. The Mets have the best record in the National League. They're 15-6. and six. Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso. Those guys are contributing at the same time, finally, for this Mets team. And last night, to put the cherry on top to their great start to the season, the New York Mets threw a combined no-hitter. This only the second no-hitter in New York Mets history. So it's been an exciting early MLB season, to say the least. 
That is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Chote Sports Pod. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Jack Burning TV. I've been Jack Burning signing off. Jack of All Trades, Season 4, Episode 5. Be sure to tune in next week for another award-winning episode. Until then, I've been Jack Burney, signing off.